Opening Arguments is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I declare bankruptcy! I congratulate you on your imagination. But this is a court of space law, not a theater. Mentis, Incendium, Gloria, Calpum, etc., etc., Memo, Bis, Punitor, Delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. How is this a fair trial? Our lawyer is a Morty. It's not fair. You have no rights and he's not a lawyer. We just keep him here because he's fun. Look at him go. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Opening Arguments the podcast that pairs an inquisitive interviewer with a real-life lawyer. This podcast is sponsored by the Law Offices of P. Andrew Torres, LLC, for entertainment purposes, is not intended as legal advice, and does not form an attorney-client relationship. Don't take legal advice from a podcast. Hello, and welcome to Opening Arguments. This is episode 132. I'm your host, Thomas Smith. That over there is your other host, Andrew Torres. How you doing, Andrew? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. I am super excited because today's show is going to be the Thomas show. It is all about you and I could not be happier. Now, before people rapidly turn off their uh their radios or whatever they listen to this on, uh that that doesn't mean I'm doing anything. It's it's still Andrew's doing everything, but it's a it's a great story. It's a it's a sort of a personal news story in a way uh that I I in fact Andrew told me that there's stuff he discovered that he, he can't wait. Like, it's going to be like a big reveal. I I am I have never been more excited for a an episode. Turns out my high school that I, the one that I went to is going through like a God's Not Dead three or four maybe now scenario, <laughs> and the, in real life like this is a real thing. And uh, Andrew looked into it, looked into the the case. Uh, I cannot. Oh my! I'm so excited. So can't wait to get to that. Before we get there though. Uh, we just wanted to put out a quick word. Uh, we are still doing patreon.com slash law if you want to support us. I know we went through some Patreon nonsense, um, but that is still uh, that's still good law over there, patreon.com yep. slash law. And we're working on uh, – uh, people li- who listen to my show know I, I added a subscription option on my website. We're kind of working on that for opening arguments as well as a, as a, as a measure of insurance against future Patreon action um, because – they, they've shown some really curious decision-making. But for now, everything's the same. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, we, we enjoy 
Oh, you you wanted to hand out a little an Oprah Winfrey style handout to our. Uh, I I, I do. I want I want everybody to look under their seats. Um, if <laughs> if you have been a, a Patreon, uh, if you have been a Patreon supporter of the show, uh, we we wanted to thank you. Right, we know there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, hopefully, we demonstrated our trust to you that we are always looking out for our our patrons, for people who support the show. Uh, we will never let. Somebody impose unilateral costs on you. We we begged you to stick with us and and help figure this out, and and a lot of you did. Um, and as a show of our thanks, what we want to do is we want to give away this past year of lot awful movies to you. So uh, that's a two dollar patron perk. It's going to stay a two dollar patron perk going forward, right? Because we got to you know give away stuff to people who are supporting us at that level. But if you're a patron at any level of support, we are going to make active when you download the show, uh, all of the previous lot awful movies episodes, sorry, all of the previous lot awful movies episodes, including jury duty, including, uh, Madonna's body of evidence, including (laughs) the crazy sovereign citizen video. We did It's it. It is hours and hours and hours of holiday themed entertainment. So if you've got like a 37 hour bus ride that you've got, (laughs) great. Cue them all up and, uh, you will laugh yourself hoarse on the, uh, yeah. Don't get on any new Amtrak lines, but uh, other than that, if you, uh, if you've got any long trips, sure. So that's our way of saying thank you to the patrons who stuck with us. We really appreciate it. We hope we've continued to to earn your trust. We hope if you've been on the fence that you'll kick us a buck. We always make that pitch. But uh, but if you if you stuck with us, we wanted to give you some free shows. So All there right. you go. Merry Christmas. It's, it's not quite a car, but it's just as good. It's as good. I I I think so. I mean, uh, what, <laughs> what's better? A car, you've got to put gas in it. You have to pay the California yeah. sales tax on yeah, it. No you good. don't have to pay any sales tax on free no lot taxes movies, so. on lot awful movies. There you go. All righty. Oh, God, I cannot wait to get to this main segment. I Seriously, I've never been. <laughs> I, I'm just so curious. But before we get there, segment one, here we go. Thomas is appointed to the federal bench. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried a jury trial? I have not. Civil? No. Every lawyer is tempted. Criminal. No. Bench. No. Not only to eat forbidden fruit, but to become the snake. State or federal court? I have not. Why am I persecuted? Yeah, I I think everyone who listens to the show has probably heard uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana questioning Matthew Peterson, Trump's nominee to the federal bench. Uh, it was five minutes of uh, really perfection on the Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee. We actually used our crack editor, Brian Ziegenhagen, put together the intro that you just heard here. He used it in uh, episode 131. So so folks have had a lot of exposure to it. And and I got the question, right? Most people, particularly most people listening to the show, were, were rightly appalled at Peterson's lack of experience. But, but I got the question on multiple occasions uh, from our listeners of, you know, there's there seemed like a couple, right? They were asked, you know, what's younger abstention and a couple of other things that seemed like a little insider baseball. How hard were those questions? How <laughs> how easy a time should Matthew Peterson have have uh, have had in answering them? And so I thought what we would do is uh, I have not shared these questions with Thomas at all. Oh, I'm going to ask well, him yeah. five questions that are the same level of difficulty as the five questions Matthew Peterson couldn't answer. All right, I'm going to start uh, making excuses right now because yeah. <laughs> I, I, the problem with this is, because everyone, you know, they said this to me as well. Oh, you could have been a federal judge. 
Yeah, the thing is, I can answer multiple choice law questions. I don't know any terminology. So if they're all like, you know, because this was like a motion in lemon or whatever. It's like, I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I have to confess this to you right now, Andrew. I have tried z- zero, ca- yeah, zero cases. I've tried zero <laughs> cases. So we'll see how I do, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. We'll go through it. And again, uh, I am completely springing this on Thomas, so he has much less uh, mm-hmm. opportunity to prepare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Peterson another part. Did. Were I going to testify in front of Congress, in front of a committee I, it's, about... It's my, possible I might yeah, prep you beforehand. I might but, yeah. bone up on some basic terms, uh, possibly. Right. Well, we're going to try it. We're going to see how it we'll goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. First, let's start off with, uh, this is the only one that is the same from these two. Thomas, do you know what a motion in limine is? Well, that's one of the ones that they asked, right? And the only reason yeah. I know is because it was asked. So I recuse myself. I'm already more qualified than uh, Trump uh, legal uh, appointees because I have ethics. So I'm going to recuse yeah. myself from this question because, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if I caught the right thing here that it's, Motion and limit. It's to introduce something, what was it, before that the jury doesn't see or something? Or what was it? Was that it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're close. A, a, yeah. a motion and limit at the outset of every trial, uh, lawyers from both sides will move, uh, will file motions and eliminate. This is... Uh, this happens in every trial I've I've ever had. Um, oh, okay. Uh, you know, you don't you don't typically have it in super small cases. Uh, but the reason why this was so appalling is that if you're going to sit on the federal bench, you will hear these in literally every trial that comes before you, and it's derives from the Latin root. I mean, it means limit. And what you yeah. do is you move in front of the judge to limit testimony. And you say, uh, judge, I want you to exclude uh, the other side's attempt to introduce uh, Thomas Smith as an expert for the reasons that are set forth in my attached motion. And then the judge will rule on the motions in limine and say whether you can call Thomas Smith to the stand or not. Um Happens in every single. Oh, I see. So it's like before everything gets going, you're trying to like hamstring the other side. Okay, let's get rid of this. Right. Let's see. Okay, yeah. so that you don't have the like surprise elements <laughs> that we see on our bad, yeah. lot awful movies, right? Like if you have a completely unqualified expert, then the the standard for uh, introducing the expert, which was another one of the Matthew Peterson things, not a question I'm going to ask you, uh, but. Um, but you know that because you've taken depositions of the expert and the lawyers brief that up before trial starts. So and they this say, sounds hey, look, incredibly yeah. basic. This sounds like it is something incredibly basic. <laughs> any person who's going to be a judge should know. <laughs> yes. To say the least. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so recuse. We have a non-answer for one. Uh, we will. So we'll yeah, I recuse myself despite now. not even remembering the right answer. So I'm glad right. that recusal. I'm 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 uh, I'm zero for zero. Yes. All right. Question number two, Thomas. What is injunctive relief? Ooh, I know what injunctive relief is. Uh, that's when you get a judge to uh, to stop something or to pause it, uh, it temporarily while you evaluate it, and you need to show uh, the. Uh, the uh, probability of success on the merits, and uh, you know, it's f- f- you might remember it from such episodes as Trump's <laughs> immigration ban. <laughs> Hi, I'm injunctive relief. You may remember <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's exactly right. Injunctive relief is when the court orders somebody to do or not do something, and it 
is uh, contrasted with ordinary damages. Usually mm. what you get in court is money. So, right, right, right. you know, it it in a typical like breach of contract situation, you pay me $1,000 to paint your house. I don't paint the house. You can't go to court and get an injunction for me to paint your house or become your butler or, do, you know, do any other wacky thing that you see on TV. You get the thousand bucks or you get whatever your measure of damages is. That's what courts are uh, exist to do. We have we have focused on the likelihood of success on the merits prong because in most of these cases, right? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Is, so to clarify, injunctive relief yep. is not necessarily is it is it something that you could get in in a normal like the full length of the process still happens. Yes, but you get injunctive yes. relief rather than like some monetary uh, relief. Is that right. what you're saying? Or in addition to? Or in addition right. to? Okay, so, so that so it, it's given me a kind of a false impression just because we only ever talk about it when it's like, okay, we're trying to head this off at the pass and get, you know, get somebody to stop it before the proceedings go through. Right. We we typically talk about temporary restraining orders and preliminary injunctions, which are a subset of the ah. sphere of injunctive relief. So injunctive relief is the larger universe of whenever the court is ordering people to do things or not to do things instead of giving out money. Okay. See, right. you would very quickly be able to tell <laughs> that I, <laughs> I am not qualified to be a judge. Now, relative to what you know, reality should be, not relative to the new reality in which anyone can be a judge. I don't even know. Right. I don't even need any experience, but okay. So I, I uh, half credit on that one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Question number three. Thomas, what is a deposition? Deposition is when... Uh, now, who takes deposition? That's just getting the statements from um, from the witnesses ahead of time and, and figuring out what they know. And But it's also... It's on the record, uh, and you use it later to compare to their testimony. I don't know. Is that enough information, Senator? Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. A, a deposition is in the in the civil trial system is part of the discovery process. It is on uh-huh. the record, but uh, there are only lawyers and the stenographer uh, in the room, uh, and is designed to uh, elicit information from parties and witnesses who have testimony that uh, may lead to the discovery of admissible evidence. So that's absolutely uh, right. One yeah, that's a very basic question. Uh, frankly, I'm uh, Senator Torres. I'm insulted by how basic that question was. Of course, <laughs> I know what deposition is. I'm uh, all right. I I'm, will try. I, I will try and do better on the next one. Uh, I've been appointed uh, to be a, a federal judge. You don't think I know what deposition means? Come on. So this is a tricky one. We have talked about this on the show, but um uh, the the question is, uh, Mr. Smith, what is removal? You mean in a legal sense, I take it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't mean uh, what you're going to <laughs> do to noun, this room yeah. when you <laughs> exit. <laughs> removal. I, I do, without any context, I don't know, you know, I don't remember like specifically what part. Could be removing anything from anything. I'm sorry. Uh, yep. I don't, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I've learned a lot here today, Senator Torres. I'm not qualified yep. to be a judge. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> so removal is the act of taking a lawsuit that has been filed in state court and mm. transferring it or okay. removing it to federal court. Um, and here's how that happens. Um, we have talked about some of these lawsuits where the plaintiff will allege both violations of the uh, U.S. Constitution or of federal law and also state law claims. 
right? So, uh, for example, that came up in the Zarda versus Altitude Express claims, right? Uh, sorry, in the Zarda versus Altitude Express case, where the plaintiff uh, alleged uh, claims under Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is a federal lawsuit, so therefore you get to be in federal court. And then the question was, could that plaintiff have also alleged state law claims? And uh, they elected not to because they wanted to tee up the case in order to to have the Second Circuit uh, adjudicate the federal law issue. But in an, in, an, in an ordinary case, you might bring both sets of claims. And ordinarily, the plaintiff is the master of her complaint. You get to choose where you file as long as it's an appropriate jurisdiction. Uh, you get to file it in state court, but a state court defendant might look at it and go, there seem to be federal issues here that are better addressed by a federal court. So I'm going to file a notice of removal and I'm going to remove the case to federal court. Right. And then the federal court gets to argue about whether whether it should hear the case or whether the, the opposite of removal is remand, whether it should remand it back to the state court. Right? Right, right, right. So that's removal. I actually probably would have remembered remand. remand. I wouldn't have, for some reason, removal is too general of a term. Like I... I my non-lawyer brain is like, well, remove what from what? I don't know. But yeah, I right, remember now. Right. I remember well, and, now, and, uh, Senator Torres. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for like refreshing I feel like relatively speaking, I'm doing quite well. Uh, I would say <laughs> I'm, I'm at least <laughs> leading in the clubhouse for all the nominees. But There we go. Uh, all right, question number five. I've, got, I've gotten half uh, a question out of three or four, so that's good. You've right? gotten one and a half. One, one, oh, that's one right. One and, one and, and a half, half yeah. questions yeah. out of four. Okay, here we go. Question number five, what is abstention? Abstention. I mean, I know what to abstain means, but I don't know. I can't remember if abstention is, is this another procedural thing that I'm going to forget the exact context of? Uh, where yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> abstention. Uh, nah, I can't remember. Okay. So these were, I'm I'm combining of the questions at the end uh, that were asked of, of Peterson. And again, because I think it would be a little bit unfair to ask you, you know, to define Pullman abstention and to define younger abstention, that, uh, that that's ridiculous for a non-lawyer. But the abstention concept itself is really, really straightforward. And it's something that judges have to deal with all the time. So when a case is removed to federal court, uh, and it has both federal and state law claims, one of the grounds for remanding the case back to state court is on the basis of abstention, right? Mm. And reasons for abstaining are uh, it would be uh, in the interests of justice and in the interests of uh, judicial economy to have the state court rule on the state court issues if doing so would obviate the need for the federal court to rule on the pendant federal issues, right? That is that is specifically, uh, as, as you narrow down to the question of constitutional law, the doctrine of Pullman abstention says, if the only reason you're in federal court is because there are constitutional, there are allegations of constitutional law, right? But resolution of the state court issues will eliminate the need for the court to resolve the constitutional law questions, hmm. then under the Pullman case, the federal court should abstain, should send it back down to state court, let the state court do its thing, because then there's no need for the federal court to rule on those constitutional issues, uh, which then, you know, could be, uh, you know, advisory or unnecessary or whatever. 
and I and I should add as a, as a corollary to that that federal courts. Uh, this is implicit. It's why I asked the removal question first, because you have right. to understand removal before you understand what abstention is. Um, when you have mixed federal and state law claims, a federal court can adjudicate state law claims by applying state law, right? Um, and we've talked about this before. If I sue you in California, but the court determines that Maryland law applies to your case, then the court doesn't transfer the case from California to Maryland, the court just says, okay, this court will apply Maryland law. This court says, you know, we're capable of doing that. Judges are smart people. We can look it up. Uh, We'll apply Maryland law. Same thing happens in federal court. So a federal court could say, we are going to apply federal law for the federal law claims. And then for the pendant state law claims, we're going to apply the law of the state in which those claims arose. So, you know, let's say North Dakota law, right? But, But implicit in all of that is the idea that while federal courts can do a perfectly fine job of applying North Dakota law, or while the California courts can do a perfectly fine job of applying Maryland law, it would be better to have the state courts do it, right? It would be better to have North Dakota apply North Dakota law, and it would be better to have Maryland apply Maryland law. So if you can do that, then as a judicial policy, uh, it it has been longstanding settled policy for, you know, for, for decades uh, in, in, in this country that um, the courts will defer to a state's adjudication of its own state law claims if uh, it wouldn't otherwise prejudice the litigation. Right? Hmm. If it would, you don't want to let Maryland decide federal law. Uh, you don't want to let North Dakota decide federal law. Uh, you want the federal courts to rule on the federal claims. But if they don't have to, they should abstain. Um, so makes sense i wanted to go through that so that that, that, that sounds that I, like some legally judgy thing that a judge would need to know i don't know why you're asking me but uh <laughs> sure it, it it is why because the funniest bit of kennedy uh interrogating peterson uh was at at the end it was the bits that only lawyers were laughing yeah, at, and yeah. i wanted to share the joke with everyone so at the end he says you know, Mr. Peterson, can you tell me what younger abstention is? No. And younger abstention has to do with civil rights claims. It's a, it's it's the only one that I would sort of give him a pass if he'd have mm-hmm. taken a crack and defined abstention the way I did generally and then, you know, messed up because there are three or four different specific sure. abstention doctrines. But then he says, can you tell me what Pullman abstention is? And that's the one that I, I defined fully. Uh, and, and, uh, and Peterson says no. And Kennedy very dryly looks up and says... Y'all get that a lot in federal court, you know, <laughs> um, and and it's true, and it was hilarious, and it's true, you know, for, again for for yeah, professional, it uh, wasn't great right, delivery, right? but yeah, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> it it's it's it was funny for lawyers because lots of cases get to federal court because they are removed, and then the initial response by the plaintiff who has had their case removed, who tried to file in state court, has had it removed to, to federal court, is to uh, argue in their petition for remand that one of the various abstention doctrines should apply. So again, it's not quite as basic as a motion in limine, uh, but I have probably filed a dozen briefs in in, in my life where I've had a case, I, and again, keep in mind, I usually represent defendants in lawsuits, but where we've had to argue either for or against, you know, a various aspect of abstention on in federal court to either send it back down to state court or to keep jurisdiction uh, over the case. So 
something absolutely as a judge that it just yeah. is basic required knowledge. So, Senator yeah. Torres, I will definitely bone up on my uh, law <laughs> books. Yeah, how do you – I love – afterward, it was like, I can't believe – you know, I'm sad that my whole career is based on – you know, been judged based on five minutes of my worst whatever – are you buying that as any sort of? Can you have a just a bad five minutes, uh, or does he truly just not have any friggin' idea about the law? I, these, I, I mean, I tried to pick questions that I thought were the rough equivalent in level of difficulty of the questions that were asked, and you got one and a half right out of four, and instantly grasped, you know, the 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 two and a half that you know you you didn't get. Yeah, anybody can have a bad day. Anybody could be nervous. Uh, not knowing these things is 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 not something that any lawyer who has ever tried a case would forget. Right? I mean, it's not quite at the level of like, can you tell me who the defendant is? You know, like what what the word defendant means. But well, it's that's not why that you're the judge and I'm the law talking guy. <laughs> exactly right. It is as if he said, "I'm sorry, I'm just the law talking guy." And, you know, right. So. It's it's bad. And and Peterson has uh, withdrawn his nomination. Yeah. So, uh, well, so good Senator job, Torres, Senator I move Kennedy. for a bad court thingy. That's all right. Yeah. All right. I, I failed. But, uh, you know, that's what you should expect uh, from a from a non lawyer from a non. And by the way, from from a not like it's it's not even as though this should be just an average lawyer. I mean, if you're getting appointed to a federal judgeship, you should be pretty exceptional, shouldn't you? Yeah. And, and, and let me be very, very specific here, right? If, if I were preparing a federal judicial nominee with no trial experience, the kinds of things I would expect that person to have to answer are, uh, some of the difficult questions that have come up in our, uh, more difficult bar exam questions, right? Like, how are you applying the hearsay rule? How are you applying, uh, the, uh, uh, the the various exceptions to um, you know offering uh, uh, opinion testimony versus lay testimony, right? The types of things because the reason is when you're the judge, you're listening to the trial unfold in real time, and you're going to have to rule on objections. <laughs> um, and if you don't know, you know the the basic rules of the federal rules of evidence uh, and know them really, really cold, uh, then the lawyers are just going to run roughshod over you, right? Like, and, and in particular, in a case which has an experienced lawyer on one side and a pro se defendant uh, on the other or a less experienced attorney on the other side, like that when the, when the lawyer knows that the judge has no idea what they're doing, uh, I, I mean, that's just... Uh, it's just a recipe. It's going to be like when we're all about Simpsons references. It's going to be like when right. they think Bart's a genius because he switches with uh, Martin's, I think yeah. it's Martin's test. And <laughs> right. then he goes and they all like steal his lunch because they're like, hey, I'll trade you one molecule on Mars gravity worth of this <laughs> for you know, whatever. So like it's like yeah. that, like the lawyers who know their way around it will uh, will walk all over him. If I was trying a, a case in front of Judge Peterson or uh, Brett Talley, right, who we talked about uh, uh, about a month ago, uh, also uh, whose nomination has been pulled thanks to the fine work of Andrew Seidel, who was on last week, 
you know, I would do things like make bogus objections in the middle of the trial, <laughs> right? Like, objection, that's highly prejudicial to my client, right? <laughs> well, it would turn well, into like a, a movie, one it, of the movies. It would turn into movies. a lot awful movie because why not, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I stand a reasonable chance of, you know, buffaloing my way through this judge who very obviously doesn't know what the federal rules of evidence require. Um, and, and, you know, that, and, and in particular, I mean, I would be, I would be nonspecific, right? Uh, you know, rather than saying objection, that's highly prejudicial to my client, which might, I might try that one because, you know, we, we have talked about, there's a, well, there's a rule that says if the unfair prejudice uh, outweighs the probative value, right? you know, you can uh, restrain it. But like the fact that it's prejudice, right? Like every bad piece of evidence is necessarily prejudicial to your client. Right? I would like, just say objection. If it's, if it's fairly prejudicial. Yeah. Yeah. I would just right. say obje- no, try, objection, like, motion and limiting. <laughs> right. So whatever one's Objection, your honor. Know. Obviously yeah. he can't introduce that. Right. Like, <laughs> and just look at, and look at the judge and be yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, 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 and <laughs> stare him down and wait for him to be like, well, Right, of course. Yeah, everybody knows. Uh, yeah, this is plainly not admissible. <laughs> so, oh uh, man, it, well enough about be, this. We need bad. we need to get to my high school. Now that this yep. unimportant uh, drivel. No, that's that's uh, that's great. I and this guy shouldn't have been appointed judge. So that's the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> but you're closer. That's my takeaway. Yeah. Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity, you get three. As a magic I'm like, and the dragon comes in all right, Andrew. Uh, this is so fascinating. Uh, I saw a friend of mine sent me this because it is the high school I went to is being sued. God's not dead style over a biology class. Now, I got limited details. I haven't read the case like you have. I'm excited to to find out what twists and turns await us. But the teacher involved is uh, not a teacher I had, but the wife of a teacher I had. So uh, I have some uh, some oh. knowledge of the teacher, but uh, it's been a few years. So just for people who are uh, listeners of OA who are closer to my age than to yours, you you went to Bret Hart High School. <laughs> yep, is that right? Yeah, and I and I had to look. It's spelled with an oh, E. Oh yeah, on the end everyone of thinks of the wrestler, yeah. you nerd. Yeah, Bret Bret the Hitman Hart. He was part of the Hart yeah. Foundation. It's I have that's a shout out for uh, my buddy George, who is the world's biggest. 80s WWF wrestling uh, yeah. aficionado that I know. So that was the first thing I thought of. No, this uh, is Bret Hart is in the like, he was like a, a sort of a, he was like Mark Twain, except not <laughs> or something. And by the way, the <laughs> elementary school I went to was Mark Twain Elementary. Um, but oh, the nice. uh, Bret, Bret Hart was like an author, but he was also, I think he was kind of a fraud or something in some ways. I forget the story, but that's, it's not the wrestler. So there's a kid, this, this is just unfolding. There's a kid named Grayson Mobley, uh, who's at, who's a sophomore at Bret Hart High School. Public school, we should say all of this isn't an issue if it's a private school for reasons that we've already been through. Right. And uh, he is a, uh, a creationist, right? He was at an evangelical elementary school. 
uh, before transferring into public school. Does it have the name of and, that? Uh, uh, no, it just says local evangelical primary oh, school. Oh, okay. Because there was one called like Calcedon or something. Anyway, go mm-hmm. on. Just, to, so, just curious yeah. if I would recognize the name of it. So Mobley says uh, he wants to, in his sophomore biology class, uh, wants to raise objections to the theory of evolution, proposing an alternative narrative, namely uh, intelligent design. Right. Oh my God. And and the teacher, Ms. Jer Marr. So this is the wife of the teacher that you had. Yeah, Maurer. Uh, Maurer. Okay. It's it's spelled M A U R E R, but maybe it's she, pronounced they pronounce Maurer. it Maurer. It's no big deal. All right. You wouldn't know because you didn't go to Bret Hart wrestler. I, uh, high I school. didn't. So has said uh, this is a science classroom, and you're not going to do that. Here's what I first thing I want to ask you. There. Hold on, because it, I, is this one of those things? Because they have some quotes. You know, alleged quotes of what she said, like, keep your God out of your, you know, like all this yeah. outrageous stuff. Is that the, this is the kind of thing where you just say whatever you want and then it's assumed like you just assume it's true for the purposes of do we dismiss this case? And then later on, she would be able to say, hey, I didn't actually say that because I don't believe the quotes that they're saying she said. Yeah, that is that is exactly right. In a complaint, you allege specific facts, and those facts are treated as true until demonstrated otherwise. For because what's one of, of the quotes? They, they, I think it says so, like, "Yeah, she said this is a, a place of science. Get your god out of you know just this outrageous <laughs> God's not dead dialogue." That I know there's no way that happened. I, I anyway. Yeah. The the allegations are that she said on the first day of school, leave all ideas and notions about God outside my classroom and science is fact and religion is faith. There's there is no possibility that she said that. But anyway, (laughs) so now now let me say um, if a public school teacher were to say that in a classroom, that would be a problematic statement. Right. Yeah. That would be something in a, in a situation like that. What you would have happen is uh, a group like the Alliance Defending Freedom. We've made fun of them before. They were the uh, legal counsel in the Trinity Lutheran case would send a letter and the letter would say you may not display hostility to uh, a student's religion in a public high school classroom. And they would be correct. And the teacher would be disciplined mm-hmm. and the teacher would have to come in and say, hey, I said something that might have seemed like I was attacking your religion. Um, if if I did, then I apologize. Uh, what I meant to say was, this is a science classroom, and we will be discussing the scientific theories that are appropriate for right. this class, namely uh, the theory of evolution. And if uh, you have religious objections to the theory of evolution, this is not this class is not the place to discuss those. That's right. what I meant to say. Right, and. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to say for reasons that, you know, we're going to talk about. But uh, but so so the allegation, right, hostile to uh, hostile to religion. And keep in mind that the relief that Mobley wants is not an apology for saying nasty things about Jesus, but he wants to be able to derail a biology classroom by bringing up a whole bunch of Discovery Institute talking points that he's downloaded off a website. Right. Um, the school quite sensibly has said, no, we're not going to let you bring in creationist literature and read from it under the guise of giving a question in class. That's not how classes work, particularly in high school. Right. Um, So Mobley's lawyer uh, has said uh, they're going to sue. Uh, Now he threatened this uh, board hearing was on December 4th. The, um, uh, the threat was if you don't, uh, reverse the 
school board policy uh, and allow my client to talk about intelligent design in class by December 7th, I'm going to file a lawsuit. I have searched the uh, the courts, and to the best of my knowledge, they have not yet filed the lawsuit. Oh. Um, usually we wait till there's an actual complaint before it, but I couldn't help myself on yeah. this one for reasons that you will find out. So knowing that there isn't a lawsuit, but there are allegations, uh, from that, uh, public hearing, uh, I did what I would have done had there been a lawsuit filed, which was I looked up the lawyer, right? All right. So the lawyer is named oh. Greg Glazer, G L A S E R. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler He's a crazy person. <laughs> uh, he's he's not just slightly crazy. He's not like ide- just ideologically motivated. Like uh-huh. I happen to disagree with him because he's a fa- he's a crazy person. Oh my um, god! And this probably is probably par to be for delightful. the course for my hometown. It's probably just you'll describe things. I'll be like, yeah, that's just normal everyday life in uh, my my hometown. So I'm gonna link his website. You go there, and the first thing you see is that uh, Mr. Glazer's. Uh, practice. And again, this is what you do when people get sued, right? This is what mm-hmm. I expect when I threaten to sue people. People look me up. They go to my own. Oh, look like he practices in the area in, in which he's threatening to sue me. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to Mr. Glazer's website and you and there's a 30 minute video on there where he's being interviewed about um, how he advises uh, for sale by owner real estate transactions, right? Huh. That's the bulk of his practice uh, is. Does he know uh, what a motion in limine is? uh he's tried case and i'm gonna go with yes okay um but but then he also has on his list uh below the interview about real estate he's got constitutional as a as a as a button right Mm kind of weird but okay fine let's click on it you click on constitutional and this is what the page says says I offer legal services to individuals willing to promote fundamental constitutional ideals in support of justice, liberty, and sustainable living. And then he gives the subcategories, health freedom, especially vaccine rights, sovereignty, separation of powers, and fundamental rights. Now, I want to stop right there (laughs) and say sovereignty, separation of powers, and fundamental rights, those are not categories of constitutional law, right? Like when you say, I'm a constitutional lawyer, like you would say, I litigate free speech issues, right? I litigate church separation issues, right? Saying I litigate, saying I litigate sovereignty issues is saying nonsense, is saying baloney, right? Um, But let's start with the first one, vaccine rights. So uh, I should also point out, in addition to being a crazy person, and by the way, uh, Mr. Glazer, when you listen to the show, uh, please feel free to file a defamation lawsuit against me. Uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, I would. I, I, I am 100 percent. It's just uh, more content for us. Yeah. Co- confident of my ability to prove in open court that you are, in fact, a crazy person. Uh, and notice I'm not giving you a specific diagnosis. That is a statement of opinion, mm. uh, not fact. Uh, you, you're, you're a crazy person. Anyway. So, of course, as you would expect, when you go to his vaccine rights page, he's an anti-vaxxer, right? And right. he helps represent people who want to get exemptions to the California mandatory vaccination law. Um, I, I've pulled this question because people might not be convinced yet. Uh, and and I, you shouldn't be convinced yet that, that he's a crazy person. You have to listen to the rest of this. Question. Are vaccines good for everyone? <laughs> Answer. Vaccines are literally, quote, drugs, end quote. I am not a doctor, 
but I think vaccines should only be for people who desire to inject themselves with drugs. I agree with the doctors who say that clean living and natural immunity and wholesome food and traditional care is good for us. Ultimately, the reason that people hand over their children to the injections of the pharmaceutical industry, by the way, interesting use of the English language there, is because of fear. Is that fear warranted? I don't think so. I think we should strive towards developing natural immunity and intelligent natural remedies. All right. So that's that's neat. And I'm going to link his blog. Vaccines are drugs and therefore should only be used on people who want to inject drugs into them. Yeah. Wow. I've never heard that. Uh, so, uh, so, so, okay. So he's got this and I'm going to link his blog. He's got multiple blogs. I do not know why. Um, because one wasn't enough. Update, is, is he, he doesn't update any of them frequently, but I guess he didn't want his, <laughs> he probably, you know, real estate that he made peanut butter getting one. mixed up with his, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. He, he probably forgets that he made the last one. Is like, oh, I need to make a com- totally rambling, crazy blog. I forget. <laughs> and he like forgets the login information for the last one he made, and then he makes a new one. I I think that's probably right because I was going with he didn't want to get his you know real estate chocolate mixed up with his anti-vax peanut butter, <laughs> but like none of these are updated frequently. It's it's weird. He also has a love for the ampersand that I have not seen since my high school poetry teacher. Uh, Gary Blankenberg way back in uh, my sophomore year of high school who like always would write poems. And Is that his real name or you just don't want to curse on the show? Yeah. Glary Bank- oh. Gary Blankenberg. Um, so shout out to Catonsville High School peeps who remember. All right. So he's got this weird anti-vax blog. Does he have anything else that's crazy, you ask? <laughs> yes, uh, I do ask. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he also maintains, and all of these, by the way, are linked off of his firm website. Right now, look, at, and in fairness, right, you go to my firm website, you get linked to opening arguments, and, you know, you can certainly uh, call things that, that I have said on opening yeah, arguments. Yeah, they're virtually the um, same as saying we need clean, uh, natural, <laughs> um, what was natural immunity. I don't know how that works with some of these things, but okay. So he maintains a, uh, it, obviously he's, he's a religious nut too. Uh, he maintains a blog called logicalhierarchy.com. And uh, the logical hierarchy is Bible studies, non-denominational with a focus on mathematics and logic. <laughs> right. So, all right, what? I think mathematics and logic, I think, you know, okay, symbolic logic. I'm going to read some dense philosophy papers. I'd like to read you a little bit from his post, September 22nd, 2015, the number 19. Oh, fantastic. Why, this some, why do we want to know about the number 19? Yeah, because in biblical Hebrew, one name for God is Alha, A-L-H-A. Uh, I've never seen that before, but yeah, yeah whatever. I'm going to take his I'll word trust for him. it. Right? I'm not he a, seems reputable. Using simple gematria. I love that. Where Aleph equals one. So don't Bet worry. Nobody, two. there's no complicated gematria, everybody. We're just yeah, no, simple. Simple, we're simple, gematria. simple, entry level gematria 101. <laughs> the total of these letters is 19. So uh-huh. Alha equals 19. And then 19 is a super special number. And Prime I'm, number. I'm, I'm just going to read, right? When this is, and I want to emphasize, I can only uh, tell you, I'm going to link this. You can verify this for yourself. I am neither adding nor removing. There are no ellipses. This <laughs> well, is word it's important word to not add says. or remove any words because when we do elementary gematria to add up the numbers of it, we need to have it totally intact. So I'm glad you're keeping the, the language intact. When two dragon number tries to divide seven 
Messiah number, the triumph is given to the Messiah to be born into three and therefore sit at the right hand of the Father that is nine at the top of the hierarchy. The Messiah also receives eight, three plus five equals eight, duh. Oh, sorry, that duh is my commentary. Yeah. The Messiah also receives eight, three plus five equals eight, representing the new world slash age created after seven, this world slash age. That was a challenge to parse out. I feel like you ruined it with your editorializing. It would have been fine. But since yeah, you no, added I, the I should dot, not have you, thrown in you, the, the you poisoned How the about? well. I'm just trying to learn, Andrew, and your, you know, <laughs> your negativity. All right. No, no commentary. He asked the Thank rhetorical you. question. What else does Rodan's diagram mean in Hebrew? Mm-hmm. I'd like to learn too. Well, in Hebrew, 369 spells GVT, which is a mysterious <laughs> expression. A human could say it means majesty, just as readily as she could say it means connection, pride, friction, growth, or expansion. Or if you read it backwards, 963 TVG, <laughs> the meaning is equally mysterious, as one might say it means pride, also, voice, friction, why is violence, afraid or of crown. seven? Now, you're comment- I, you wanted to learn. There's one more <laughs> sentence here. Or two more sentences, sorry. As these expressions manifest themselves in our universe, we expect and make relative choices to fulfill the destiny of our story that was born from the beginning as word. As long as there is a one in the equation, then zero will always be kept from triumph. I I cannot wait for this person. By the way, this is uh, Trump's next uh, pointee to the federal... So, okay, all right. So he's anti-vax. He's engaged in numerological gematria and thinks 19 <laughs> is a magic number and that the one presents that prevents the zero from triumphing, which uh, given that he composed this on a computer uh, that is entirely, you know, composed of ones and zeros <laughs> in its processing, I, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, you might ask yourself, but surely uh, he has uh, relevant legal interests, right? Well, well we know on his he, website. he defends separation of powers because that's something. Yeah. You, it it yeah. says on his website that uh, he is also the founder of an organization that I cannot find anything about. I have Googled. I have looked called Everyday Currency. Uh, I have some guesses what it might be about, <laughs> but they have zero website presence, uh, zero legitimate Googleable website presence. I don't know. They might be all over the dark web. I have no idea. Um, but he also founded something called the Civil Action Network, and that I can access uh, is uh-huh. www.civilactionnetwork.org. Um, and that does not instantly appear to be something that was created by crazy person. Um, it has a little drop down tag for referenda, right? And referenda, that makes total sense. Right? That's because, a real word. You know, yeah. From living in California, California has the most referenda, which are ballot initiatives that are placed yeah. uh, on the ballot that voters get to vote on in uh, in every election. Are we about uh, to add why... up the numbers that make up ref- the word referenda and then see how or no, are we on to actual legal stuff? Oh, it's it's so much better. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I clicked on the referenda tab. Right. And I was like, okay. And the the mouse over, by the way, in referenda says, hammer out some legislation with fellow CAN users, right? The Civil Action Network. Okay. So um what right? What what referenda might Mr. Glazer want to put on the California ballot? Prop eight. Um, There's there's one one tab, uh, one item comes up on the referenda page. It is entitled Earth Constitution. (laughs) I'm going to read you a little bit 
Earth from Constitution? Mr. From Mr. Glazer's proposed Earth Constitution. <laughs> Article 1, Section 1. The United Nations is hereby abolished, and its authority to work justice is transferred to a new governing authority with jurisdiction across Earth, which shall be called Earth Government. The individual humans of the world hold and maintain legislative authority over the Earth Government. All right. Okay. But good start little to Earth bit, government. A little yeah. bit odd to introduce in California, but, you know, okay, I'm a globalist. I can go with it, right? <laughs> yeah, Article 3. Article 3, Section 1. The judicial power. The for California the voters have decided. Earth government, everyone. <laughs> the, no, no, no. But but it's going to have to be ratified by the citizens of the earth. But 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 okay. I guess it gets introduced in California. Yeah, you the judicial start power. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite one okay. because uh, I think there's a good there's a good loophole here for you. Mm. Um, Article three, section one: The judicial power for the earth government shall be vested in one supreme court, operating above seven regional courts. Each continent represents its own region. Uh-huh. So I just want to point out if you to, to get to seven, this means there will be <laughs> a Supreme Court for Antarctica. <laughs> so I think Thomas I feel like that Smith, one's not gonna get as much, you know, <laughs> traffic, court traffic as uh, some of the other court circuits. You know, probably not. Uh, but uh, but I can't Supreme wait for Court? our first injunction that comes from Antarctica, like a penguin, just injunction on something we're doing here in North America. Each, or, yeah. each Supreme Court shall have 12 judges, each elected for a 10 year term. And uh, under Section elected 8, the judges. personal salary of an elected judicial officer is 100 ounces of gold per year. So. <laughs> So I just want to point out, we could get a dozen people to be the Supreme Court of Antarctica. Uh, Well, we could get five or six people and six or seven penguins Mm -hmm. and distribute out uh, 1,200 ounces of gold. Yeah, Yeah, 1,200 ounces of gold. And that might be a lot. That might be a lot of money. Ounce of gold, isn't ounce of gold like a thousand bucks or something? So uh, the spot price of gold uh, per ounce as we record this is $1,281.80. So it's a good that living. Means, I like how yeah, his first, first like, concern when, when writing a, a treatise uh, on, on a new earth government is like, but how much are the judges going to make on the, <laughs> when they're appointed <laughs> for 10 years? That is, I love that. The detail. How long is this so, document that you're reading? You can, it is... Uh, it has nine nine articles, uh, but includes with it section twenty one of Article Eight says uh, the following codes attached to this Constitution shall apply to all jurisdictions on Earth as legislation passed pursuant to Article One, and that is uh, Penal Code, Civil Code, Environmental Evidence and Trial Procedure. All of these would be, you know. Are, are thousands and thousands of pages, right? You would want to replicate. Is he know, just adding in? So that's code. him like yeah. cut and paste in the U.S. Right. code or like elements of the yeah, U.S. It, well, he doesn't define what these are. I mean, maybe. I, I spent a lot oh, of time. Oh, like he's got some other attachments somewhere that he's. He might, but I can't find them. Okay. But I like, it will also include the Worldwide Jubilee Declaration. So <laughs> that's probably that? shorter. Oh, um, man. But my uh, uh, my favorite provision and the reason for that. How do you uh, pick a favorite, though? Oh, I, I know. I know. Antarctica but, uh, court is already up there. 
<laughs> Antarctica Cornus is high. A penguin can eke out a pretty good living on $128,000. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing year? with gold? Do you have any Antarctica? idea how many sardines that will buy? Uh, <laughs> um, no, but the reason for my including uh, the Van Halen classic, Love Walks In, in the intro for this, thank thank Brian uh, for, for putting that together on, on short notice, is Article 8, Section 16, which I, I have to read to you. Okay. It, intelligent extraterrestrial individuals. <laughs> I may knew become it. Citizens I knew we would. When, right, right when he started with Earth Court and Earth Law, I was like, there's going to be like a Vulcan law or like a like a Karelian, whatever the alien, the weird alien names. It's going to come up. Okay, here we go. But by birth within the. T- uh, so, okay. Intelligent extraterrestrial individuals may become citizens of the Earth by birth within the territorial <laughs> borders of the Earth, right? So, ET anchor babies. Uh, adoption. <laughs> So again, E.T. Or long-term acceptance into the family and home of any citizen of the earth. (laughs) Status as a political refugee recognized by the president upon arrival to the earth. Well, Um, hold on. Who's the president? Is there an earth president? I wanted that. Excellent point. I look through this document. I think I found a hole. Hold on. I think I found a problem with this document. (laughs) (laughs) This document uses the word president twice uh, and only in this section. It does not tell us who the president is. The the head of the worth of the earth government uh is uh the uh, and i'm sorry i have to say this article 2 section 1 the executive power of the earth government shall be vested in a chief caretaker ah the chief caretaker shall hold office for a term of 4 years votes to elect an executive may be submitted at any time during the spring of the appropriate year in the 4 year cycle the chief caretaker shall publish all earth government laws in the languages used by the nations so um no, there is no president in this document. I don't. So there is maybe there will be a president whose sole job it is to decide uh, whether intelligent extraterrestrial aliens are political refugees. But and and you might we think, can, okay, I mean, well, if, he just if, typed if president. Not, and I mean, later we, there's a lot of it? penguins okay. with nothing else to do in Antarctica court, <laughs> so they could probably, if we want to outsource that to Antarctica court, then we could. They could make that determination. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I thought maybe he first called it president and then changed it to chief caretaker later and just you know, uh-huh. forgot to in this passage. But no, it says status as a political re- refugee recognized by the president upon arrival to the earth or by work visa as the president may issue at the discretion of the executive branch. Then it says the chief caretaker and earth government judiciary shall have the power to regulate citizenship and the earth's territorial integrity, including by intergalactic cooperation in matters of law enforcement to ensure that individuals entering the earth are not fleeing justice. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm tired of people coming to this planet, aliens coming to this planet, fleeing. They're not sending us their best aliens. Andrew. Yeah, yeah. They've got calves the size of cantaloupes. Yeah. <laughs> I like the part where you have to, if you're born in the borders of Earth, like what, how do you define the border? Is that orbit? Is that? What are the borders? See, this is it's it's that level of of insight that is going to make you an outstanding Supreme Court justice for the territory of Antarctica. Well, I feel like before, I mean, this is a good start uh, on this document. But before we adopt it, I just think we ought to, you know, we ought to go over it a little and just make a few edits. A few, you got your red red felt pen. You might, you might. A few pointers. Um, and and. And I should add, um, the uh, environmental caretaker 
anchor baby <laughs> extraterrestrial aliens does not contradict uh, in, in his mind Article 7, Section 1, which says, Towards the goal of respecting our creator in heaven, the lawful and traditional nation of Israel remains fully sovereign, and the king of Isra- wow. Israel may choose whether to comply with this constitution at any given time and space. <laughs> and space? I, <laughs> what is that? I'm pretty and sure space. that Israel does not have a king. I, 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 maybe this is like a, a yeah. crazy dominion. prime minister, isn't there? End time thing. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure they don't have a king. So um, that was also neat. So, okay. All right. So he's anti-vax numerology <laughs> uh, and wants to nationalize aliens with work visas. <laughs> maybe he's nevertheless correct about the law, right? True. Yeah. You can't, you know. We, uh, yeah. it, it would be a logical fallacy to uh, dismiss his <laughs> <laughs> considered legal argument just because he's writing a new Earth constitution that involves uh, alien visas and stuff like that. <laughs> Again, I want to be clear. I am not taking this out of context. This is not alien visas in the in the way in which a, a lawyer would use that term. This is intelligent no, space extraterrestrial alien visas, individuals. Yes. yes. So what's the argument? The argument he's making is uh, that Mobley has a right under uh, a case that you may recognize called Tinker versus Des Moines Independent School District, 393 U.S. 503. It's a 1969 decision. That case was about uh, students who wore black armbands to school in Mm. protest of the Vietnam War. And the Supreme Court said uh, the most famously quoted bit from the opinion is students do not shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. Mm. And and the court said that um, because uh, and in particular because of the lack of findings that it would interfere with the educational mission, uh, that the school couldn't prohibit uh, students from just peacefully wearing, this was 1969, uh, black armbands at school to protest the Vietnam War. The case is not categorized uh, because the Supreme Court hadn't really fully articulated what today we call the viewpoint discrimination doctrine, uh, but it would very clearly fall under that sort of jurisprudence today, right? The idea that what the what the, what the school is doing there is under the guise of this is going to be disruptive, saying, now, you know what, like, you're just talking about kids wearing armbands, and they're entitled to do that. They're entitled to make a political statement. But let's remember, but, this was the North American Circuit Court. Right, what did right, the right. is there agreement? Yeah, what did Antarctica this? say about it? Um, yeah. Under Tinker's, but but okay, so you, but you could say, all right, well, is that could the argument be extended out? So you know, uh, Mr. Grayson has not uh, shed his right to. Uh, practice his religion at the schoolhouse gate. And surely if kids can wear black armbands, then he can interrupt biology class by yammering about how the bacterial flagellum is irreducibly complex, right? No. Um, If you go to page 509 of the opinion, which I'll link, um, this is where the Supreme Court in Tinker actually articulates what the test is, right? And they say... uh, In order for the state in the person of school officials to justify prohibition of a particular expression of opinion, it must be able to show that its action was caused by something more than a mere desire to avoid the discomfort and unpleasantness that always accompany an unpopular viewpoint. Certainly where there is no finding and no showing that engaging in the forbidden conduct would materially and substantially interfere with the requirements of appropriate discipline in the operation of the school, the prohibition cannot be sustained. So... 
in the present case, the district court made no such finding, and our independent examination of the record fails to yield evidence that the school authorities had reason to anticipate that the wearing of armbands would substantially interfere with the work of the school or impinge upon the rights of other students. So that's the real test, right? And here, it is abundantly obvious that having this creationist kid yammer on in class about intelligent design and well if there's you know if we evolve from monkeys why are there still monkeys uh is is going to substantially interfere with the work of the school namely teaching kids evolution and impinge upon the rights of other students um this argument is a nonsense argument and if mr glazer files the lawsuit alleging that uh, it is a free speech issue based upon Tinker, then even with the discriminatory animus implied uh, by the quotation marks, right? Even if we assume that that's true, and even if the teacher expressed a hostility to, to religion, that case is going to fail. There is no free speech right to interrupt a biology class with questions that you think well but hold on i've seen the point. movie the way we resolve this is there's a debate between the biology <laughs> teacher and the student right and then if the student wins the debate then i guess high school becomes church or something i'm not sure yeah then happens. everybody has to text god's not dead to a hundred yeah and then there's friend. there's cheering. I know there's open cheering in the courtroom. I know that much <laughs> but I'm not um but I but I, I do want to point out uh the California courts, in the event that this were to go forward, they would very likely draw guidance from the Kitzmiller versus Dover decision that's been celebrated in our circles. Uh, but but I want to kind of emphasize why we talk about these Trump judicial nominees. Um, the Kitzmiller decision is a decision of a single judge uh, of the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Pennsylvania, Judge Judge Jones, that was issued in 2005. It's not binding law in California. It's not binding law outside of the Middle District of Pennsylvania. Um, it is a very, very persuasive authority because of the comprehensiveness of the opinion. But a, a court in California, a court anywhere else in the country, is perfectly free to say, to take up an intelligent design case and say, um, you know, petitioners uh, urge us to allow intelligent design. Defendants point us to Kitzmiller versus Dover. But in our judgment, that case is not well-founded. Uh, instead, we think intelligent design is a perfectly viable blah, 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 blah. And if you have an ideologically motivated judge, you know, that Kitzmiller is a, is a, is a double-edged sword, right? It, it shows the power that one federal district court judge can wield. Uh, now, again, part of the strength of Kitzmiller is its comprehensiveness, its thoroughness, the fact that it is so well-reasoned, uh, the fact that it goes down kind of every avenue. And it speaks directly to the argument that uh, Glazer and, 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 and this kid are, are making in this case, which is, uh, I'm going to quote, this is page 738 of the Kitzmiller decision, the, the decision in the section entitled Intelligent Design is Not Science. Uh, the court says, ID, intelligent design, is at bottom premised upon a false dichotomy, namely that to the extent evolutionary theory is discredited, ID is confirmed. This argument is not brought to this court anew, and in fact, the same argument, termed contrived dualism in a previous Supreme Court case, was employed by creationists in the 1980s to support creation science. The court noted the fallacious pedagogy of the two-model approach and that in efforts to establish evidence in support of creation science, the defendants relied upon the same false premise as the two-model approach. All evidence which criticized evolutionary theory was proof in support of creation science, end of quote. 
We do not find this false dichotomy any more availing to justify ID today than it was to justify creation science two decades ago. So Why that's where California- Why are we still talking court. about defunct old American law, yep. Andrew? <laughs> Earth law. Get on it. This is not, I, I don't know why we're wasting these people's time with, with, with American law. That, that's, we got rid of that. <laughs> that is where the California court is going to come out. They are going to say intelligent design is not science. Advancing intelligent design in the classroom interferes with the pedagogy and the rights of the other students to receive an actual education in a public school. Well, you I will be have... appealing this decision to the Penguin Circuit. You can uh, await my... Uh... <laughs> Well, let's keep let's keep track of this lawsuit and uh, and figure out how the penguins decide. But, I uh, am going to make some calls and talk to people because this is hilarious. You know, this <laughs> is uh, my mom taught at this school for a hundred years. I don't know how many oh. actual years, but something like a hundred, uh, probably thirty five <laughs> years or something. Uh, she was the Spanish teacher. She knows everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her. Uh, but so, here's what I'm worried about. This will be some like family friend. <laughs> so that, that it'll turn out that I've I've met this person and like hung out with them and they just never talked about Earth law and and space alien uh, visas in my presence or something. I, I'm I'm dreading that. I I want to make uh, and again because I've invited a defamation lawsuit. I I want to make uh, what I am describing as a a wholly uninformed and totally speculative guess here. Uh, but I'm thinking if you met Mr. Glazer, like I, I think within 10 minutes, like of, of meeting him, you get the like sovereign citizen, you know, pay us yeah. in gold. And uh, did you know the extraterrestrials walk among us? I, I'm, I'm just thinking he's the kind of well, person it's that can't, not, to that be can't fair, go five minutes. In full <laughs> fairness, I'm not sure if he thinks extraterrestrials walk among us or he's, he's just making sure he's prepared he, legally. That's right. He that, could just be. The most anticipating, right? It, it should. He's that. There we go. Uh, we we figured it out. I you issue don't want a full it to and formal retraction. No, no, no. Yeah, have it, applicable it's, Earth it's law. good. It's good to button up every possible circumstance that could happen. So if if Israel happens to get a king sometime soon, or space aliens happen to land and apply for work visas, uh, you know, it, uh, oh, I'm I'm God. convinced. I am. I, I am just love the the little I part fully he put retract in there about my prior we, we need to make sure the space aliens aren't wanted in their in their system, so we can't get that guy from A New Hope in the bar. That's like I'm, I have the death sentence in twelve systems. Like he can't. He can't come and naturalize over here. Uh, that's just something that, you know, that he thought he, of. And again, I want to point out in specific the use of the term intergalactic cooperation because inter means between two. So this is not just, this is between two galaxies. Oh, right? okay. Which, so it's not a, just uh, as though, yeah. okay, we discover life on Mars. You know, this is even yeah. Alpha Centauri or wait, galaxy. No, that's even. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Wow. Yeah, that's this is the Andromeda Galaxy is yeah. the closest one, which is you know well, what we're going to meet uh, eventually. Millions all right, well, <laughs> of yeah, light years <laughs> this away. Is, this right. is my new favorite episode of all time. Uh, <laughs> I cannot wait for the spinoff show where we where we fully go into you know. There's a new uh, Thomas in the book show happening here. Uh, we're just waiting to happen with this with this uh, treatise. Oh, um, oh I, yeah, I, right. The, the, if you if you want us to draft the. Uh, uh, the uh, rule because because it's not included in there, I guess, uh, because the the supreme power of the judiciary is vested in the supreme courts of the various mm. continents. Then, like in American history, what that means is we're going to have to create inferior courts 
to handle, right. you know, local penguin law issues. Yeah, but uh, what happens we're gonna... when the circuits disagree? Is there a Supreme Earth Court? Did he get that far or no? No, the uh, I mean, there is, but the <laughs> Supreme Earth Courts are uh, each continent represents its own region. Uh, right, oh, I know, no, but there's so, that's sorry, like so the district. Yeah, there, yeah, right. There is one Supreme Court operating above the seven regional courts. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so, that, so we'll have to see. Wow. Well, that that is that is. Tr- thank you so much for looking into this. I I cannot. I'm seriously going to talk to some people and see if I you know what's going on here. If I can find out. All right. Report report back because <laughs> uh, our. Ooh. Our patrons, our listeners are waiting, and I need to. If you've got an in, I mean, we could get oh, interview. Uh, yeah. appointed to the uh, Supreme oh, yeah. Court of Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see what kind of questions you'd have to answer for that. You know, like it's it won't be motion and lemon. It'll be you know if a an extraterrestrial is wanted in there. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be that those kind of questions. <laughs> um, okay, well, that is excellent. Thank you so much. It is now time for our Patreon shoutouts, and uh, I believe Andrew, you can start us off here. Thank you to Heather Loveridge, to This Week in News with Kevin and Benedict, to, as far as you know, Michael Schaefer did not collude with Russia. That's true. Roger Metcalf and the International Waters, my favorite Pink Floyd cover band. Rhonda the Dork, our first patron, Danny Rosari, Eli Bosnick, Dave, co-founder of the Florida chapter of Thomas's Goon Squad, Nichols. I love that shout out, but Dave, I think it's time to pick a new name, man. Jim Grove, Ian and Allie, Matthew Vernon, Violet Page Hall, Jeffrey Maynard, The Wayward Willis Podcast, Danny Baker at Com. Combat Nonsense, Squick Thinger, Aaron Grady, Seasick Sarah, adopt, <laughs> adopt a homeless camp and oppose questing and orging. <laughs> adopt a homeless pet and oppose declawing and ear docking. Philip Stromberg, summer is coming. Go to campquest.org to sign up for a camp in your region. Soggy Pants, Sammy, Sam Danau, and too busy to think of a new name. Thank you all so much. <laughs> I love the I love the shout out names. It's my favorite part. And thank you to Greg Sullivan, Malika Chandler, Jesse Stead is my favorite lawyer. Andrew is a close second. Tricycular manslaughter. Campquest.blorg. 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 <laughs> Rebecca Smelzer. Adam Linda. If you see Kent. Oh yeah, this one. <laughs> if you see Kent, it gets me every time. Like literally every time he gets me with this one. If you see K Y O U. Rocky, <laughs> rock and rolling up Purge Mountain. <laughs> Keith Davies, quick, someone teach Muller how to cast Zone of Truth. Jared is sipping on Yodel Mountain Vineyards and Yuletide <laughs> Mullard wine. <laughs> RaymondSpecialties.com, custom survey gear. Cecil and Tom are better than Thomas and Andrew. Well, that's very unkind of you to say, but okay. Run like a girl. Polly Shake. Horseman fights for the weak. <laughs> Soul, That's good. Sakashite, stock, hashtag stop Brexit, hashtag save the NHS, hashtag make Britain great again. Frederick Elstromer, Cody Bond, Mitchell, Eric Johnson, science-based vulnerable transgender fetus, <laughs> Michael Rops, uh, secular saint, impeach Roger Goodell. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> and finally, Zabby, thank you so much for being our Hall of Famers. You guys are the best. Uh, I look forward to... Uh, if we are going to do a website thingy, I, I look forward to that. But for now, everybody's on patreon.com slash law. And uh, you're going to have a lot of awful movies coming at you soon. 
And also, of course, uh, you know, as Andrew said early in the episode, we are making those lot awful movies available to all patrons of any level. The old ones, the back catalog. We hope you enjoy it. Oh, no associate of this firm has ever failed the bar exam. No kidding. And it's time to uh, try to answer a question. I feel like I'm on a bad streak on these, aren't I? I don't think I've got. Yeah, right you're one. you're you're down a couple, but that uh, still. No, no problem. I I feel like you're gonna get uh, right right back uh, right back up there today with all of our uh, deep dive into uh, Antarctic law. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> I do are you feel ready? Especially prepared today. <laughs> Tad asked Steve if he could borrow Steve's boat for a day cruise. Steve agreed, but instructed Ted to say in, to stay inside the bay. Ted cruised around the bay, then, because the ocean was so calm outside the bay, crossed a mile of open ocean to the Blue Oyster Cult Oyster Bar on the docks at Santa Patagonia Island. I would totally go to that. Uh, While Ted was docked, another boat passed the dock at an illegally excessive speed, and its wake washed onto Steve's boat, causing water damage to the upholstery of about $150. Ted returned the boat directly to Steve without further incident. What, if any, recovery can Steve have against Ted resulting from Ted's use of Steve's boat? And I want to point out this question yeah. alternates between Tad and Ted. There's a typo in the question. Yeah, I feel like there, that's a legal loophole. Can't I just say, or a mistrial, yeah, bad court thingy? Yeah. Ted, Ted is also spelled in all lowercase letters with colons and brackets around it. It's, you know, it's a sovereign citizen thing. All right. Yeah. What recovery can Steve have against Ted resulting from Ted's use of the boat? A, Steve can recover nothing because Ted was not responsible for the water damage to the upholstery. B, Steve can recover the cost of repairing the upholstery because it was damaged when Ted took the boat out of the bay. C, Steve can recover the value of the boat because Ted was in dominion and control of the boat when it was damaged. Or D, Steve can recover the value of the boat since Ted violated his instructions about staying in the bay. All right, this is, uh, again, I, I think this shouldn't even count because of the Ted Tad typo i think that invalidates the question so i should just get it right uh but well you know so we'll award me at one point but just for the sake of the show i will you know try to answer i think i'll I'll eliminate a steve can recover nothing because tad tad ted was not responsible for the water damage to the upholstery yeah i think i'll eliminate that i feel like i feel like he can recover something here and all right here's what i'm gonna do this is this is impossible because this is a weird question. I hate this book. But I'm going to do one of those weird eliminations where I eliminate C and D because it I just it cannot be true that Steve can recover the entire value of the boat because of some water damage. If that's true, I I'm moving to a different circuit. I'm going to go to Antarctica circuit because uh, this Earth Court law is nonsense. Um so I'm going to eliminate C, Steve can recover the value of the boat because Tad was in dominion and control, and D, Steve can recover the value of the boat since Tad violated his instructions. So I'm just going to, it'll be one of those, but I don't care. Those are wrong anyway. Even if it's right, it's wrong. And I will say it's between Steve can recover nothing because he's not responsible, Tad was not responsible, versus Steve can recover the cost because it was damaged when Tad took the boat out of the bay. I'm just going to hope it's the common sense answer and go with B. I think he can recover it from from Ted because Ted was in control. And then I think it's kind of if it's on Ted or Tad. Uh, I don't know if we have like a Jim Carrey, me, myself and Irene situation with the Ted Tad name. <laughs> but 
it's it's kind of on Tad to to recover from whoever damaged the boat. I think uh, so. That's that's what I'm going to guess. But I have absolutely zero confidence in this answer. Good thing it's a mistrial because of the name typo. All right. Well, we will find out on Tuesday if uh, you've gotten uh, back on the right side of bar exam questions. As always, if you want to play along with Thomas in Thomas Takes the Bar Exam, you know how to do that. We uh, announce our episodes on Facebook and on Twitter. Simply uh, share that along. Use the hashtag TTTBE. Give us your guess and give us your reasons. Therefore, we will pick a winner and then shower that winner with never ending fame and fortune. Fame and fortune, not guaranteed. You know, yeah, play the game. It's so fun. We love it. I would say that the only thing that makes me feel better after definitely getting this question wrong and knowing nothing about the law is I got to hear this episode, which is my new favorite episode. So that <laughs> that is worthwhile. I don't care because I am more interested. You know what? This this uh, this U.S. law thingy you talk about, Andrew, is not long for this world. So I don't, I don't even I don't even care that I got the wrong answer. It doesn't matter. I'm studying for Earth law. feel free to let us know if you're playing tttbe with earth law as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll have to specify with that said uh thank you so much everyone for listening for playing the game thank you most of all to our patrons at patreon.com slash law and also thanks to our andrew at andrew.com slash andrew and uh wow well we'll i'll i'll see if i can uh, get any inside info on this uh can't report back All right. Stop breaking the law, asshole! This has been Opening Arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArgs. Until next time. Podcast is a production of Opening Arguments Media LLC. All rights reserved. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.